Off the Puck Hockey is sponsored in part by HODL Services. If you're looking for a disc jockey, karaoke host, to videographer, our company can help. With over 17 years of experience, we would be happy to assist with your special event. You can contact us at 226-988-2895 or visit us at our website at hodlservices.vpweb.ca. That's H-O-D-D-L-E, Services. We look forward to hearing from you, and helping with your special event. going on everybody welcome to episode two of season two thanks for the reminder mike walker of off the puck hockey i'm your host tyler fines and you can catch off the puck on rogers tv channel 20 every saturday night at 9 p.m you can also view our live recordings on facebook youtube twitter and twitch just follow at off the puck hockey for dates and times to check us out the nhl is back in full force and some already crazy plays saves controversy throughout the league but before we get into all of this want to introduce the boys as usual mr adam styles and mikey walker what's going on boys what's going on what's going on congrats mikey walker on the fourth thanks yeah it's uh it's been quite a roller coaster the last couple of days but uh i was telling adam earlier he asked if i was going to be on i said to him well when i'm dedicated to something i'm always there so there we go <laughs> So he's referring to Mr. Walker as a brand new dad. I was actually had a great joke lined up, but I'm still on my thunder. I was going to say this is baking kid number nine, but four <laughs> is fine. We got a big, big show lined up. Tonight. Nine, what is I know we're going to start with our round table with the fellas here talking about the NHL being back. Obviously we're going to cover the Leafs um, kind of the state of hockey where it's at right now. But tonight we've got a great guest, uh, former Pittsburgh Penguin and uh, Toronto Maple Leaf, Luca Caputi will join us here in about uh, 15 to 20 minutes. So pretty excited to have him on. But let's get started with the NHL, fellas. We're back and rocking. How have you enjoyed the hockey so far? Loving it. Love uh, love having it back. And, uh, yeah, it's back anywhere you want to see it now, anytime. Uh, love it. And, yeah, it's good to see it. A little sloppy, but I ex- expected with the no training camps or the short training camps, I guess, in the no exhibition. But uh, it's just it's awesome to have it back and loving it. Yeah, I'm pretty, pretty pumped about it. Um, I've actually been following the Leafies around a little bit. It, you know the Canadian division. Yeah, um, awesome. my Penguins didn't start off too hot, so jump on the wagon early. <laughs> yeah, no, I have a feeling your Penguins are in trouble just watching them play. Uh, you know, Crosby and Malkin are still great players, but I said two years ago he should have traded Malkin. That I, I not that he didn't want to have him. He's a fantastic player, but I just I saw the writing on the wall. I just didn't think they were good enough to win. And here we are, right now. I don't. You'll be lucky to make the playoffs. I I, I truly believe that. I don't think you got the player that Pittsburgh's got the. I don't think they got the. I don't think they got the horses. You know what? I, I think the I think the exact same thing. Um, it's kind of. That division is so difficult as it is anyways. And you've got teams like New Jersey that are playing decently. Yep. And, you know, the Islanders are a defender. Rangers don't look horrible. Like, there's Philly. Philly's Philly. Washington's good. Like, there's there's a lot of options out of that division for sure. Boston in that one too? Yep. Yeah, like, yeah. 
Yeah, and Boston Boston hasn't been playing great. I mean, they lost the other day. You know, they they haven't started off very well. Um, to be honest, a lot of the teams outside of Tampa, Tampa looks Tampa looks gross. Like they're going to be be unbelievable. Uh, the Canadian division, Montreal looks ten times better. Ottawa had a pretty good run with the Leafs, obviously splitting that one and one. Right, so it's, it's, it's intriguing. Yeah, it's an intriguing start to the season so far. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah, Ottawa. A lot of a lot of people like always count out of whatever they're gonna be tough um i don't know i i can't see them not finishing in the bottom of the canadian division because i don't really know who would go maybe maybe winnipeg i'm not sure but under them but uh yeah i don't know they're they're a tough team to play against and yeah even like they asked matt matthews after the game they asked him and he said yeah they're a really tough team and they're gonna compete all year long there's a lot of con like i said you know what it with start of the league, there's been some controversy. Florida Panthers, Keith Yandel, obviously, you know, oh. being almost getting sat out and ruining the Ironman streak was something that, you know, that didn't sit well with the league. It was close to the situation with Jason Spezza and Mike Babcock, uh, you know, when he was the coach here where they weren't going to play him. And now he, he they play him and he scores a goal and they absolutely dominate the hockey game. Now, Chicago's not a very good hockey club, but Florida, I mean, they're, they're no – you know, they're not great either. And all of a sudden now Keith, Keith Young jumps on, he gives them a spark and it looks like they won the Stanley cup. Yeah, that was, uh, that would have been a really, uh, you get to the guy like that for, especially right off the bat of the season. I mean, you're going through the season or something and he's really playing some terrible hockey and you kind of give him the heads up. Like, Hey, like pick things up. Let's get going here. We need more out of you. We're kind of the deal. And he doesn't get going. Then yeah, maybe, but when you're right off the bat, like, you can't do a good guy like that. He's earned his respect. You can't, that's so, so disrespectful to do it. I'm glad they didn't do it. And yeah, exactly. Right off the bat for goal, right off the start of the season, like uh, shows his offensive side. He's one of the best defensive defensemen in the league. And uh, yeah, I'm just really glad he got to keep that streak going. And I hope to see him break the record actually. I'm pretty sure. Did he not that goal he scored? Was it not his hundredth? Yeah it, was, yeah, it was too. It was. So, I mean, that's kind of a big deal too. Yeah, yeah, right. As like, a defenseman nowadays, defenseman in the league. Yeah, that's that's a pretty big accomplishment in the league. Man. Yeah, Mister Zonk can still stepping up and uh, and scoring some goals. And obviously, the the major players in the league are still stepping up and scoring points. Uh, top leaderboard at this time. If you're watching this couple weeks from now, it might have changed. But right now, you've got Leon Drysaitel, Tavares, McDavid, Stammer. They've all got five points. Uh, connecting got five points in a few games. So great start and seeing some of these top end guys uh putting up points right away yeah connecting in those flyers too that's another team that uh as walker knows they played as penguins they're they're a team to watch too man they're going to be a really good team and they got it all good front to back uh well built, built team yeah so watch it for them but yeah those young players those young players that you, you said finds all the top right there as expected as every year right they're just uh young studs and they're just so great to watch and that's a great thing about the Canadian division you get to watch Dreisaitl and McDavid uh, I don't know how many times the Leafs get to play him but at least what six times or something eight or nine I think they play yeah, him like eight, eight or nine, nine too yeah I think they're all up I think they play them like a times this year so that's going to be awesome to actually get to uh, watch that yeah I think well I, I had Philly as my pick going in for that division yeah um and I <laughs> I went heavy Philly in my fantasy leagues as well. Just, yeah, I think they're the the real deal and they're the team to beat. Yep. Yep. You think Philly's the team to beat? I, I think so out of that division. In that division, man, they're, they're, they're there, man. Yeah. They're like, there's no question that they're, they're a good hockey club. And, you know, there's going to be a couple teams, uh, 
you know, I'm kind of hoping to see change. I think Buffalo's <clears throat> Buffalo looks like they're playing a little bit better. They play better. Um, yeah, they're playing Philly, and the, again, it's I think they're up two nothing right now. Uh, I really like, like I said, they're they're fast. They got you know first game didn't go well, but now they're back. Looks uh, back to form. Uh, San Jose, actually, uh, a team that we don't talk about very often. They've been kind of irrelevant the last couple of years, but they've started off pretty good. And they're actually up right now in St. Louis too. No, in St. Louis, holy, uh, getting blown out there by Colorado the other night, eight nothing. Eh? You see that? Yeah, that's just a beaten by them. And then I thought maybe tonight they're going to come out. I. Uh, on DraftKings, there went kind of hard. St. Louis thinking they'd respond pretty well, right? Eight nothing beating a team like that, but down two nothing right now after the first. That ain't looking too good there, but still lots of hockey. But another another team that I went heavy in fantasy with was the big guns in San Jose. Yeah, got Burns, uh, Carlson, wow. and uh, Hurdle. Hurdle. So I mean, you look at that team last year. There's a lot of injuries, yeah. which I think played a big part in why they were where they were in the standings last year. So, yep. They could be in that. That that makes sense. And obviously with uh, Evander Kane still being in the lineup, which is surprising after all the, the personal stuff and talking about the bankruptcy, but he's still in and threw a couple I had three penalties in the game and uh, threw a pretty nasty head check on Eckford Larson. And that didn't go, that didn't stand too well. They thought there should have been a suspension, but he's back on the ice tonight. I don't know if you guys saw the hit or not. No, I didn't. I didn't see the hit. I seen that he was. Uh, They're gonna look at it, but yeah, they didn't do anything about it. Yeah, yeah. You know, did you see walks? Yeah, I, I I saw it, and it to me that they've got to have a little more consistency with the call on it because uh, was it Blouse in St. Louis? Blah, Sammy Blah. I mean, yeah. Sorry, and, he thought it should have been fine. So you saying uh, three games? Me and, and what did they get? And it was two. Yeah, they got uh, two see, and he's a three. Me and Walker didn't even think it should be anything. He, oh yeah, oh yeah, boys. Man, like, you, yep, uh, absolutely. Bar setter, right? The first one of the year. It's like you can't, you can't, you can't. Listen, you can't do it anymore. I mean, I don't know what these guys are thinking and why they're arguing. You just can't do it. And yeah. they, the guy's head was down. You can't Wendell. I call it the Wendell Clark. You can't Wendell Clark these guys anymore. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Right, like their heads down, and that's and again that that's also the responsibility of the player, but that's not how it reads in the rules. And, you know, when you're teaching hitting and you're teaching guys to hit nowadays, it's no different than the NFL. They force these guys to change how the way they hit. Absolutely. Don't go for the head. And you know what? He could have easily avoided the hit and just went for the puck because his head was down. Yeah. I don't want that. And I don't want that for the game, but that's where it's going. Yeah, absolutely. We got, we got talking a while ago, like the Quebec took out the fighting and checking for this year. Correct. Um, we got saying like, you know, it's terrible that they're taking out, but the hitting is basically gone in the game now. Anyways, body contact. Sure. But the hitting is to me is gone. Like any open ice hit, there's automatically a penalty for it because something, you know, it's a referee covering his own ass basically. Yeah. Well, not only that too. I mean, we know we've all got kids now, right? What if it was your kid on the ice? That's, that's always the questions now, right? We become those type of snowflake type of parents, but that's really what it's what it comes down to is, you know, do you want to see these guys on the ice? Your husband, your wife, your a family member, anybody laying sure. on the ice unconscious, you know, playing a sport. And the question is, is you know, they make a lot of money at it, so yeah, there's a hazard to it. You know, if you're playing a, you know, minor midget A and, you, you know, there's hit, back in the day when there was hitting and all of a sudden you got concussion problems because you're getting something rocked by some triple A kid who didn't care anymore. Right. You know, yeah. you don't, you don't want these guys getting hurt and it does translate. Maybe I'm a little old school with it, but I mean, just the way I was brought up, 
you know, you got your bell rung, which basically was what a concussion is now, but it was always be aware of who's on the ice, be aware where you are on the ice. Yeah. And I feel like that isn't taught anymore because well, these kids don't check till midget hockey anymore. That's just it. Right. It's right. So you're learning so late. Yeah. Like it's all, it's all kind of getting, getting, uh, I didn't know how to, what word to put there, but getting bubble wrapped, messy bubble wrapped. Yeah. It's just <laughs> the way it's all translates from, yeah, you, the young age or now the later age that you're teaching it or not teaching it. And yeah, it's, it's just so hard, but eventually like you said, finds they're trying to get it all out of the game and it's eventually yeah. sad enough. It's probably going to be all out of the game one, one day. And uh, yeah. And so, and the one thing about sports is, is entertainment. So, you know, you're, you're starting to lose the hitting and you're losing the fighting. So if I'm going to market the game from here on into people that want to become involved in hockey, what are the three things that you are going to market about the game, which make it exciting? Well, obviously you want the, your players, get your players involved with the fans. That's always a big one. Even me, it's still this age. It's exciting. You know what I mean? You, uh, tweet a player let's say and they get they respond they like it even you know what i mean just little things like that and, and then all the way into the community do some community work get involved uh get yeah kids to see you in li- live in person and get like you know what i mean instead of just on tv all the time and just get involved that's a big one i think your players that's a big one for me walker what do you think another big one is i think you go to the marketing aspect of it and you take a person who doesn't follow hockey and they don't follow players. I think you got to market the speed of the game and the skill set of what these young guys have now. Like back when we played, there was no picking the puck up on your stick and, you know, doing, doing the Michigan or like some of these moves where they started on their backhand and like pick it up on one hand. Now, like, I don't think I could do that now trying to learn it. Right. So it's, the, the, no way it's it's in everybody's repertoire and exactly. and we had this argument the other day and i and i'm glad we went and you said it walks the speed of the game but when i talk about entertainment value and what the game of hockey is and when you sell the game of hockey is speed of the game a selling point and i'm going to give i'm going to say what i'm going to say here the best sports in the world sorry the most watched sports in the world football soccer baseball slow. uh sorry slow Right. So is speed really a a point of emphasis on the game that is going to increase viewership participation in hockey? I'm not sold anymore. I was at one point, but when we got talking and arguing over here over a couple beers, all of a sudden you're just like, what is it about other games that are drawing, you know, more fans or more revenue and you see a decline in hockey registrations? Yeah, see, that, that's a very good point when you say that. And you look at those sports because, yeah, like I said, slow. All those sports are slow. I mean, at the time, like, I mean, a football play ain't slow. It's fast. But the whole game in general from play to play is slow. Like They play like three minutes out of a 60-minute game or something like that. Yeah, I think yeah. that's what the total is, like that, 350 that's, that's or something thing. like that. Baseball, same thing. Like, the play is quick itself, but the game of baseball is slow. Uh, everything is, is quick at the time, but it's, all those games are slow. And, yes, and they're – very well viewed in the top sports in the world and watched. So when we compare basketball and hockey, because I think that's the comparison of five on five and continuous play and pace of play yep. in basketball, there's always scoring. 
Yeah. Right. There's always some type of scoring or some type of play where in hockey, yeah. that's not the case. Obviously you're looking at three, two scores, two to one. Yeah. You got the odd blow where it's five, four, and there's quick scoring, but there's always this lull. And even watching tonight before uh, watching this Toronto game, I'm watching it. And I'm going like, what is exciting about hockey now? Yeah. Like what really draws fans? Because people who watch the game, like they don't know how good, you know, Connor McDavid is and how much skill it takes to again, geek a guy out and then you know yeah, shoot top corner to and tv versus live too right yeah ag- agreed 100 percent. like walks what do you think yeah I, I think i don't know i i think speed is a is a selling point for that game like but then again you, you brought up the point where it's like somebody who doesn't know Connor mcdavid and how fast he actually is yeah it, it kind of makes it irrelevant but yeah i don't i i think somebody that even has the slightest sniff of hockey mainly the canadian or north u.s audience i think they they know a very good amount of the game now and realize how much that speed is a factor in the game now Lindsay, i think yeah they've been trying to make it more exciting right making the goalies equipment smaller make trying to always tweak the net making they've always been talking about the net bigger and this bigger and that bigger and i don't want them to tweak any of the traditional things right like i don't want them to touch the net leave the net alone uh the goalies and that's it gets to a point though uh, how much can you do to the goalies to make it unfair though right like being a goalie myself taking away your size or this and your size your pads now the size your chest protector and it's like less padding and then it's just less do i want to be a goalie goal in the nhl that no you're basically going to get scored four or five times on a night just because they want entertainment value like mm-hmm. no it's not really fun for a goalie but yeah but but at the end of the day the the, the at the end of the day, it's, it's all about money. It's all about money, right? It's all about entertainment. Yeah. And uh, and uh, speaking of entertaining, we got the man coming in here at uh, right on time as scheduled. You can tell he's a coach, obviously, and he's played the game because <laughs> the guy gets here yeah. on time when asked. Uh, again, former NHLer, uh, current coach, assistant coach with the uh, Kingston Frontenacs, Mr. Luca Caputi. What's going on, sir? Uh, not much, guys. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Okay, thanks for coming. coming oh, we're fine. Look at look at the pens. You're such a suck up walks, eh? He knew to you. I had that on last week. He has it on most weeks. It's a good connection. Pens or walks a pens fan. I'm a Leafs fan. Well, you are too, Finesy Leafs fan. So nice, uh, nice We got tonight. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that, that's true. And uh, listen, <laughs> thanks for joining us. Good to see you again. Uh, I was going to say, I haven't oh. seen you since uh, we've been on the ice together. What's the when's the last time you stepped on the ice? <laughs> been a while probably like over a month now so uh yeah it's tough times obviously with what's going on in the world and uh yeah i don't really know how to describe uh the emotion that goes into this because we're used to the grinding it out and uh you know having our team uh on a daily basis and uh having that family type feel so it's been a little tough but at the same time i got two young kids so uh it's been nice to be around them and uh build off our relationship well, Luca, before you jumped on, we were just congratulating Walker on having his 17th kid. So we're, we're pretty excited for him. <laughs> Congrats, 17. That's a big number. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, it's actually my fourth, but good one. <laughs> oh, boy, man. Congratulations. So, we, Luca, we, I really want to talk about your, your playing days and, and coming up and where you're at now. But we were actually in, a, in the middle of discussion about the game of hockey and where it is currently. And I just want to briefly touch on the argument I had uh, having a few beers with people that are hockey fans, but not, I would say, hockey people. And the argument was that they find that they're having a really tough time 
enjoying the game this year because they just they kind of miss the hitting they miss a little bit more of the aggression the fighting that's kind of gone by the wayside the last five years ago and the question I posed to the boys was if you're going to sell the game of hockey Luca and it was you what would you sell about the game of hockey currently well I would say that the kids that are the the talent pool of uh, players is a lot higher than when I was a when I was playing and then 15, 20 years ago, I would, I, you know, it's, it's obviously a different game and there's no, uh, there's no like mincing words that way. At the same time, I just think that there's so much put into this, this skill development aspect. And uh, I just see like a, a huge wave of talent where um, skill and speed and being able to play the game with, with those two intangibles and hockey sense are at the forefront. Uh, I'm not going to sit here and say it's right or wrong. Obviously, I'm a bigger player. I'm not, I wasn't a bruiser by any means, but I grew up in a day and age where uh, that came. Uh, that was uh, obviously something that people looked, looked for in a player uh, being a big physical strapping player with all those other, those three t- intangibles I spoke about earlier, but at, at the same time um, it, it's, it's, it, you got to look at it two ways um, uh, from a, you know, a parent perspective where uh Obviously, your kid's going to have that uh, that ability to play, whether whether he or she is uh, big or small. And uh, from the coaching standpoint, where um, obviously you you want to have that physical element, but it's just it's just not the way the game's going. So you have to be able to adapt, and that's part of uh, you, know, you know you adapting the culture of hockey and where it's at in 2021. Luca. What do you think speed has to do with hockey? We're kind of there's a little debatable talk we had. Some of us thought it was uh, a big thing in hockey these days, but also we some of us uh, kind of thought it wasn't that big of a deal. Do you think marketing the speed of hockey? I mean, like how fast the players are and that kind of stuff is a big thing to market, or what? What do you feel about that? Well, it certainly wouldn't hurt you if you're uh, able to play at a fast. Uh you know, with pacing at a, at a fast rate, uh, especially uh, from our standpoint, the way we, we look at uh, our players in Kingston and where we want, you know, who we want to bring into our organization. But at the same time, I think you have to have a hockey sense and be competitive. Competitiveness is, is at the forefront for me. If you don't compete, you're not willing to get better. You're not willing to look yourself in the mirror and, and try to be better every day and, and uh, be able to look at your teammates at the end of the night um, uh, and, uh, and hold your, your cap on forward and then, you probably won't. You probably won't play for the Kingston Frontenacs uh, at this stage. So, um, like I said, uh, obviously the the speed aspect. Every team wants to play fast. Every coach wants their team to play fast. They want fast players, but at the same time, you have to bring it all together, and and it all has to you know kind of unify in one. Uh, like I said, with that competitive nature and and uh, in the sense as well. Absolutely, I uh, kind of touched on the Kingston front yeah front and axe and i wanted to save it for later but i'm kind of excited about it shane right shane right um uh, kind of tell us about this kid how special he really is and uh do you, do you talk to him at all about being cut by uh team canada there and how did he take that and uh yeah what's he got to say about that well yeah we we've talked about it but it's not something that we we really dwell on um he you know he's a he's a absolutely uh you know the forefront of our our culture and he's a he's a heck of a human being and a player um you know i don't i don't uh you know obviously it was you know uh it was tough for him and it should be and it will be and um but at the same time he knows who he is 
uh, one of the best human beings I've ever been around. I tell a story all the time. Uh, last year, uh, as a as a 15 year old uh, growing into a 16 year old body and playing, um, he was able to not only manage the you know the demands of playing in the OHL and the schedule, but also be an elite student at the same time. So that speaks to the character of him. That speaks to his upbringing. And I think that this is just something that uh, he's going to use as motivation. And, uh, you know, there's, the sky's obviously the limit for him. And uh, uh, at the same time, it's just something that, uh, like I said, will motivate him moving forward uh, into his draft year and, and well beyond that. Absolutely. I can't wait to watch him. When he goes to Team Canada camp next year, he's going to oh, be that's, that's a, a, absolute that's motivation. Exactly like you said, Luca, he will. And I uh, can't wait to watch him for years to come. He's an exciting guy. I just want to touch in on we're talking players for Kingston here. I just want to talk in on a Norfolk County boy that you guys got, uh, Maddox Callen. Um, yeah. I know what's he like up in Kingston and, you know, how's he fit in and, you know, what, what do you think his, um, what I'm looking for here. Well, the ceiling would be ceiling. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> you guys too busy being a dad now. <laughs> ask simple questions. Not like he had a kid yesterday or anything. Yeah, exactly. That's That's right. exactly. It was yesterday. Congrats. Yeah, uh, I got your face. Last night at nine, wasn't it? Last night at nine. Yeah, your, your wife meet, must yeah, be a saint. Night. It's it's uh, 24 hours later and you're on the call. So Right. <laughs> Dedication. Uh, for Maddox, I mean, he fits, uh, you know, fits into that young core. It's something that we're trying to build in uh, in Kingston, obviously, with the identity and culture that we want to you know, play with and, and the people we want to be. Um, uh, he's a big physical guy. He's, he's able to shoot the puck, uh, really, uh, can play in, uh, in a lot of situations for us. So, uh, we're looking forward to his progression into his 17 year old year. Obviously it's going to be a shortened season at this point. Uh, but when we do get going, he's going to be a focal point of that core. And we're really excited where he can, where he can go as a player and, and where he can help us as a team. Cool. It's awesome. What, uh, Luca, obviously you were, you came up through the Toronto Junior Canadians organization, putting up a hundred plus points. Um, Toronto, Toronto you know, Red Wings. That. Oh, Red Wings, Red Wings. Played play for no the Canadians for only one. Had the kid, Finty. Oh, I was a, oh, I was okay, a Red so Wing though, six years. He was a Red Wing. You know, okay, so you switch oh, over. Sorry, to I, had to, I had to say it though. Yeah. No, hey, I like it. I like the switch. Who was your coach back then uh, when you came over from? Uh, yeah, for with the. Uh, Junior Canadians. It was a, yeah. So I I played, uh, I went, uh, I played up a year. I played minor midget twice, essentially. So I played six years with the Red Wings. My father was my coach. And then uh, I played for uh, Les Rogers and uh, with the the Vaughn Kings and then Dan Cameron with the junior Canadians. Awesome. And, uh, and obviously you get drafted. Talk a bit about how that process went uh, being drafted. Uh, To the OHL. Yeah, it was, uh, it was, it was different. Obviously I didn't know the things that I know now and uh, I wish I knew back then. And I think I would uh, be, would have been a better player for it at this stage, but um, uh, just, I was, uh, you know, I, I believe that I had hockey sense and I wasn't in the greatest condition, to be honest with you. I just, everything came uh, not easy for me, but naturally at that point. And then once you get to the next level and uh, you're drafted into the OHL and trying to fight through those uh, kind of uh, adversities where you're a first year player and not knowing, uh, you know, obviously you're not going to be given uh, everything all at once. So uh, fighting through that was difficult for me just because of, uh, you know, I wasn't in the greatest shape, to be honest with you. So 
learning those things and uh, obviously having that sink in was a huge uh, uh, asset to where I went later on uh, in my career. So I would say that uh, uh, I was gifted early on and uh, able to play at a high level. But once reality sets in, you have to obviously be dedicated to getting better every day and being in, uh, you know, in shape and, and, and working towards your, your goals at a, at a high rate and, uh, and an everyday, uh, everyday rate. The one thing that I love looking at your stats is your first year with the ice dogs, you know, you play your 48 games, you get six points. The year after that, you only play 32 and you get three, you come back. And again, I'm not sure what, when, again, maybe you're, you're referring to when you, when you really got into good shape, you put up 65 and then going into the, into your last senior year, you put up 111 yeah. points. I don't, I can tell you, like, I, I couldn't even tell you how many guys in their first two years that only put up nine. There's no way they're putting up over a hundred well, in their last year. That's well, crazy. Look, isn't the 51 goals and that 111 points still a record in Ice Dog franchise? Uh, I believe so. Yes. <laughs> I think that's where I read up. This guy made notes. He's missing prepared always. Love it. But yeah, talk about that transition. Like, what was it? Was it getting in shape? Was it that mental side of things? Or well, what happened was- actually in my second year is actually it's a great lesson for kids is don't mess around with skates. So uh, just <laughs> messing around after practice and. Uh, Actually, our captain was chasing me around the room and he stepped on my uh, foot, cut my, uh, severed my tendons. Oh. I had to have like emergency surgery right away. Yeah, so it's kind of like a gruesome injury. And then to be honest with you, I just, uh, that summer, I actually just really, uh, I didn't know what was going to happen coming into camp. I didn't know if I was going to be in tier two or uh, if I would make the team. I just, uh, I, I worked real hard and, and I actually got my confidence back that summer by playing ball hockey, believe it or not. I, uh, I uh, okay. had a good summer. I, you know, you know having fun scoring goals with my friends, working really hard and uh, worked out with a guy named actually Alex Petrangelo and we were workout partners for the rest of our careers uh, right. starting that summer. Uh, and then I, uh, it just, to be honest, it was uh, more of a confidence thing where you don't know how crazy confidence can be as a player. Uh, for sure, it's it's one of the driving forces of any player. And then just uh, having some some things fall in your lap where, you know, there's a couple injuries early on in the year and I was producing. And uh, next thing you know, your, your agent's calling you, talking about potentially being a draft pick. And uh, you just continue to kind of ride the wave, try to be humble continue to work hard every day. And that's kind of, that was a mentality moving forward uh, for, you know, till, till today, really. Absolutely. Uh, Luke, like we said, the 111 points, have you ever thought about the weird number, the 111, because you're drafted 111th overall in your draft year to the Penguins. Uh, just kind of, I kind of. Yeah. Say, you know, <laughs> uh, fascinating story, actually. You're almost half there though. Uh, so yeah. Fourth round pick, 111th overall. Um, that year, I finished fourth in scoring in the OHL with 111 oh. points. Crazy. Yeah. Actually crazy. Wow. Um, That's wild. Wow. A couple guys above me and below me that are obviously way better players than I am. They're still playing. But, like, uh, John Tavares ahead of me and Steven Stamkos right behind me. Really, eh? Crazy, yeah. yeah. Unbelievable, yeah, unbelievable story. Good. And uh, to, if you story. ask me if I ever thought that in my wildest dreams that would be a uh, reality, I would say no. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I see those two numbers. I was like, wow, that's that's just yeah. crazy there. But now you even say that, and that's even crazier. That's that's wild. Um, did you know have, you have any idea that Pittsburgh was interested in you? Or 
so what happened was uh, you do a couple interviews and then I, I was invited to the NHL combine. Uh, so I, I can't remember the amount of uh, interviews I had. It wasn't astronomical. It wasn't uh, low either. It was probably midway. I would, if I had to guess maybe 15 to 18 interviews and yes, Pittsburgh was one of them. And uh, to this day, uh, Jay Heinbuck, he was the uh, director of amateur scouting for Pittsburgh. And he said, uh, he asked me a question about like my fitness level and why I was so lean as opposed to when I was you know, first coming into the league two years earlier into the OHL and I was a heavier set kid. Uh, and I told him about, uh, you know, understanding the dedication and what it takes to be a pro and, or hopefully be a pro and uh, what it takes to play hockey at a, you know, a high level, especially in the OHL. And he said, uh, he asked me a question. He said, so can I expect for your, you know, your fitness scores to be in the top, part of this combine and I, I yeah I said yeah and I don't I, I think it was I don't think it was really high I think there's 120 players there but I, I think I was in the top 30 and then uh, sure enough uh, on day two they uh, they call my name and uh, it, was, it was a great ride while well lasted yeah that's awesome what was the uh, weirdest question you got during the uh, process I had a couple uh I had a couple of interviews where like the GM would be in the room and I, I, I'm like, I'm really invested in sports. So I kind of, I like to think that I know who the GMs are for most teams or kind of, you know, fit the, the you know, the eye test description. Yeah, so yeah, I just remember Peter Shirelli being in the Boston Bruins uh, interview and didn't say a word, just sat in the back and uh, just game faced me, uh, <laughs> He was, just, he was just, he was intense, uh, yeah. but didn't say a word. And uh, I mean, yeah, not really intimidating, but just, he was, he was there observing. And that's, that's just something I remember. Like, uh, you know, he probably didn't have to be in my meeting, you know, trust your people. But at the same time, he's, you know, when, he, if he's going to call your name, he, he better know what he's getting in for. And uh, yeah. that's something I've always thought about how diligent they are at that level and, um, and how much they care about, you know, everything. And uh, it's it's a huge part of uh, the game, and being detailed and confident is, is is one of those things. But nothing, no crazy questions. But I just remember him being in the room and not saying a word. Yeah. <laughs> just uh, talking about the combine there, because it's not talked about a whole lot. How does uh, a young player's combine score really affect their draft and where they may go? Great question, Walker. Ooh, question. Draft. Great question, Walker. You know, I, I don't really know the answer, but I, I just remember it was uh, it was a uh, it's a much bigger thing today than it was back then. Just from a social media standpoint, I just when I was at the combine, I remember doing the there was a VO2 test, which is on the bike and then uh, Wingate, it's called. And I just remember like no one. They didn't post your scores on a screen or anything like that. They just watched. There was like a anyone like can watch. So the scouts, GMs, they would just be there watching and uh, taking notes kind of thing. Now I don't, I'm pretty sure the way it works is everything's like digital. So they get your scores. They don't have to be there. Um, at the same time, I think for the high, high end guys, maybe it doesn't matter so much, but the guys that really separate themselves are uh, maybe those fringe players. When you're talking about a late first round pick, a guy that's really dedicated to fitness is in really great shape, um, shows those attributes on the ice. They might get the edge at the end of the day um, from the guy who's you know not physically there yet. That doesn't mean 
that kid is uh, a bad kid or anything like that. It just means that they probably don't know. And uh, that's part of, uh, you know, learning curve and being mature and becoming an adult is learning things that you don't know and uh, becoming a, becoming a man essentially. So um, I would say in certain circumstances, it might alter, uh, you know, or might, you know, uh, push up a certain player forward, but I don't think that it's like the be all and end all because at the end of the day, uh, a lot of these kids are uh, are still trying to find themselves, uh, and a lot of organizations, if they see potential, they'll try to work with you from the physical standpoint. If you have certain attributes that separate yourself, like hockey sense and the competitiveness and all that stuff, while you're on the ice, yeah, they say that that VO2 test is an absolute yeah. grind. Yeah. I've never done it. I'm it's it's now, different so because <laughs> once you get to your VO2 max, so your heart can only go at like so high. So once you're at your max, the test is over. So it could take you three minutes to get there, 44, four minutes to get there, 43 minutes to get there essentially. So it's, it's a, it's a weird test. Yeah, it's yeah. just testing how much oxygen uh, you can retain and how high, like how hard you can push yourself, how high you can uh, really take your heart rate. So is it better? The wind gate is worse for me. It's yeah. 30 seconds, but it's like three hours. <laughs> they drop they the weight and then it's like you're trying to push a car really with your legs. Have a higher number then? Uh, yeah, VO2 for sure. Uh, uh, like the higher, like a good uh, score would be like 60 plus. And then for the for the Wingate, what they're testing is there's no tension on the bike, so they see how high you can, uh, you know, how how high you can keep your RPMs and wattage, and then how quickly it goes down. So if you can maintain it the higher the longer you can maintain your peak performance for the better your score would be on that test gotcha gotcha That's crazy so you're playing that now so now you're with pittsburgh you end up playing five games that season you know talk about that dressing room obviously a pretty elite dressing room walking into yeah oh wow yeah uh crazy story quickly i i uh my flight it was a uh, it was a, uh, it was canceled the night before. So I didn't even know if I was getting called up. So I essentially got called up, flight got canceled. I got stuck in Newark, um, showed up for morning skate at 11 AM and, uh, the opposing team goes on the ice shortly thereafter. So everyone was dressed in full gear and I walked in, they gave me the clap. So that was my uh, grand entrance into the NHL. <laughs> uh, but yeah, obviously unbelievable locker room and, uh, um, some some great people around there that I still am fortunate enough to call uh, friends to this day, even in the short time I was there. That's great. And you got one, you got a goal, you know, first talk games. about that and with that. Yeah. First game, first snip, no problem. Yeah. That was, uh, that was something else. Uh, um, can't really describe it. Just got on the ice, kind of went to the net, got a, you know, got lucky enough to have that rebound uh, on my stick and, uh, yeah, wow, what a story! What a what an unbelievable ride that was for a couple of days there. That's yeah, so you're up. Yeah, five games. They, how well do they take care of you when you're up there? Like, what's that feeling like off the ice? So uh, yeah, when you're a call up, you just you're kind of living out of the hotel. Uh, yeah. But yeah, it's a different world. Really, you're on you're on planes instead of buses, and uh, you're eating good meals, great meals. <laughs> Thank uh, you for the per diem. Yep. Uh, per on the road for sure is a, is a huge part of it. Uh, really when you're a call up, uh, there's not a lot of times and I didn't get called up very often, maybe three, four times in my career, but you don't, 
they, you don't pay for the meals on the road. The the guys that make the, the you know, the big bucks, they, they usually step up and uh, pay for those. So it was, it was unbelievable. And, uh, yeah, I have uh, a lot of fond memories, uh, of being in Pittsburgh for sure with, uh, you know, Ryan Whitney and Paul Bissonnette with spin chicklets and what they've been able to do. And, uh, fortunate enough to, you know, to have those memories with those guys. They treat me really well when I was up there. Yeah, big player guy. I like to talk about some players and stuff, but I want to talk about your, your first goal. Was that against Price? Yes, um, it was. Against Price? Yeah, what a, what a yeah there you go. Anyway, still got the puck, or what do you do with that? Yeah, it's uh, right over there. Nice. nice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So, yeah, yeah, big player guy. Uh, so, obviously, playing with Flurry, and uh, I always love hearing the guys that play with Flurry, his pranks. He's a big prank guy. Did you get to witness any of those or be a part of any of those? <laughs> Uh, not up there long enough to see any of those to be honest with yeah. you but uh, i just remember being a real vibrant guy a uh, funny guy smiles a lot uh i th- uh, yeah yeah pascal dupuy was probably more of a prankster if i had to guess oh, really eh? nice. yeah speaking of goalies adam you'll like this question because it's always it's been i've been i've been wanting to ask it so when you're up at the nhl level and we've been talking quickly about practice and got how hard uh, goalies are, are required to work. Like these NHL goalies at practice, like what's their work ethic? Like, you know, like the players, where's their level of, of, uh, of compete? Well, uh, you know, obviously the, the, the real good ones are, you know, have that competitive nature and it's at a, it's at a high level at all times. Um, I just, it's just such a difference to be honest with you, trying to score on NHL goalies. It's almost really mind-boggling and really uh, is, frustrating right? at times yeah kind of really know uh, how, how easy they make it look uh they just you know stick their pad out or the glove out and it's just routine for them and you're just bearing down like it's game seven so uh a lot of the times it can be frustrating so i would say uh to be in that league you have to have a high compete level you have to be real skilled and i think uh for the most part a lot of them you know have that uh that intangible you think size? Do you really think size is a big deal with goaltenders? Oh, for sure, it helps. I mean, uh, <laughs> I, I would think uh, uh, you know most of the goalies uh, that are real successful are, are uh, you know taller or uh, longer, uh, if if you want to say so. Yeah. Um, that's not to say that you you can't play, especially in the OHL, uh, as an undersized or uh, below average uh, size goaltender. But at the same time. Um, if you look at the NHL, a lot of the, okay. a lot of the elite goalies are for the most part, most of them are, uh, you know, above a certain, uh, height. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah, before we get moving on to other teams, I know Locke's probably got a million Pittsburgh questions. Throw a few at their locks. Well, I've, uh, I've got his Jersey sitting here, his rookie Jersey at that. Um, said, what was, what's he like in the room and, how serious is he with workouts and eating and media attention and, you know, everything that his routines are in the, with the game of hockey? Well, for sure his uh, he comes as advertised. Um, one of the most competitive guys I've ever, you know, come across uh, uh, real elite in practice. Uh, obviously he's elite in games. Everyone sees that, but behind the scenes, he really works at uh, making sure that he separates himself with his work ethic, his competitiveness. Uh, obviously he's super skilled and super smart, uh, can skate at an elite level and he's, you know, he's got size too. So um, not undersized by any stretch of the imagination. So 
uh, he's got, uh, you know, it all, you know, he's had it all going for him for a long time and he's been able to do that because uh, um, he just uh, really hates to lose at anything really. So uh, that's one of the things that I, I drew away from him was that, uh, you know, he's never going to allow you to just have the puck, whether it's in practice or in the game, it's, it's going to be a competitive nature whenever he's on the ice. And uh, that's what he really brings to that, uh, the identity of that team and the culture within that organization, obviously for a long time now. Yeah, I don't think he's going anywhere. Now, this may be an unpopular question, but I asked it earlier to the guys. Should Malkin have been traded for that team? Do you think that they're going to make the playoffs? No. He should not be traded, and they will make the playoffs, yes. Wow. All right. There you go, once. There. You see? (laughs) Not this guy. Fake to make it type guy. Here we are. Yeah. What? So what? So they make the playoffs. Okay. I like. All right. I'm trying. I'm still trying to wrap my head around. It. I don't know. It's a tough, I've got it's them tough just division. squeaking in. To be honest, that's that's where I put them. Before. They'll make it. They just championship pedigree doesn't uh, go unnoticed. I know they've had. A, you know, they're one and two. I think I'm pretty sure at this point. But it's hard to. You know, it's, it's hard to. It's hard to be negative against winners. All they've done is win. So uh, until they lose. True. Yeah, that's a good point. And I'll, and I'll tell you, we all got the uh, the Philadelphia Flyers, but Buffalo smacking them right now, four nothing. So, yeah, Lazar, Laser with two yeah. sniffs. Yeah. Curtis Lazar, Curtis is coming back, man. Yeah, I hope he made. Listen, I had high hopes for that kid, man. I really yeah. hope he finds it. Uh, he's so good. I just, yeah, I really hope he finds kids it. Kids that they are so good, so young, and then they kind of just don't can't transition like to that make that jump. It's just yeah, it'd be nice to see. Really nice to see. What about you guys, Luca? You got some. You got some pretty good players. Obviously, Shane Wright's number one. But who on your on the Kingston Frontenacs on their way up? You're like, you gotta watch this kid play. Personally, before he ends, I like Billy Constantino. I really hope he makes an impact down the line. Billy, yeah, Billy's is he with you guys. Isn't he on the D side? Did you check your stats? <laughs> no, I thought Constantino. I thought Billy was in. Uh, yeah. No way, he's on the yeah. suit. Oh, no, I'm an idiot. Sorry, I'm an idiot. I'm an idiot. No, no, no. I screwed up. No, I was thinking of a. I know. No, I we actually a, have a uh, Chase Constantino. So I thought maybe. Uh, yeah, that's what you hopes for. You know what? That's it. No, it's it's fine. Oh, it's fine. I think uh, we have a real great young core and uh, a team that it's gonna fit. You know, right in. We have a, a new head coach and Paul McFarland who's gonna play. Uh, a certain way and we have a lot of players that are going to fit right into that identity and um, real high on uh, especially on the back end we got some some real players that I think are going to take a huge step and and Jake Murray and Tommy Budnick who's a he's a 16 year old Uh, we have obviously Lucas Perrick returning uh, Evan Brand um, and Chase Constantino as well uh, who uh, like I said we uh, we have high hopes for up front we have uh, our Curie who's entering his draft here, and I think is going to be a you know a player that can, has a potential to be a you know a scorer of, or above average. Average. Francesco, he's really yeah, good. I like above him above average lot. scorer in our league. Um, Jordan Frasca, who uh, you know does it right every shift. Obviously, Shane's a huge part of that, and um, the way he can play and dictate the pace of the game and uh, his elite level of competitiveness is going to obviously play into the mold of our team and. Um, we got we got a bunch of fours. Maddox Callens, uh, Paul Ludwinski. We just took fifth overall. We have real high hopes for him. He's a you know he's a real competitive guy, uh, um, elite skater, and uh, we're hoping that he can uh, come in and make a 
you know, an impression early on. We have Martin Kromiak just drafted by the LA Kings um, who, uh, who came in in January and really, um, you know, from a, from a line rush standpoint, really separate us from other teams in the league uh, and Zade wisdom. Um, this kid's fought every adversity you can as a, as a young adult, uh, young, uh, young boy. And uh, he's uh, he's a huge part of where we're going, especially the way he competes on a shift to shift basis. And um, I think the really the sky's the limit for him and, and our team uh, moving forward. Nice. I love those stories. Um, I want to go back to your career and go back to my be- beloved Leafs, your first trade. Uh, kind of what was that process like going through all that trade process? And uh, what was it like being, I don't know, did you grow up being a Leafs fan? I'm not sure. Yeah. You know, what, was that no, like? no, okay, yeah. So what was it like being traded to your, your team? Uh, extremely uh, overwhelming and uh, obviously unbelievable at the same time. Uh, still get like, uh, butterflies thinking about that first game in, in uh, well, it's called Scotiabank Arena now, but it was the Air Canada Center. It was unbelievable. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of people on hand for that, and uh, uh, you know, uh, it's just something I think about all the time, and how that kind of came to fruition. And uh, I got to, you know, I, a lot of people dream, and I got to live my dream. So uh, working on part two of that right now, and at the same time. Uh, I can hold my hat on, uh, you know, those type of experiences. Got an assist that game as well, your first game. Yeah, that was in Boston. The first game at home, though, was against Boston, actually. It was – that was that was, a, exactly. that was awesome. We, uh, we won in overtime. That was uh, – Perfect, perfect. Cool, cool in overtime. That was, that was a cool game. Yeah, and I want to – so being a Leafs fan then and uh, being a Kings, I don't know, did you get to see or work with Dougie too much or pick his brain uh, while he was there before he left? Yeah, so Doug Gilmore is my uh, – obviously my favorite player. Uh, he would be a part of the team that hired me, him and uh, Darren Kiley. And, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I got to spend uh, a lot of time with Dougie over the, the last two two years and um, someone who obviously puts a lot of trust in his staff and uh, – um, He's there to, you know, obviously uh, give some some feedback when when needed, and uh, obviously be, uh, you know, with all his experiences, both as a coach and as a player, uh, just give you that type of support if you ever need it. So, uh, unbelievable experience. Uh, it's not often, like I said, you get to uh, uh, work for your, uh, you know, your idol as a kid. So it was uh, it was something special for sure for the last couple of years. And one more quick one before I throw her back to Wooks. Uh being in Toronto was Burke was the GM there correct yes what what was he like as a man is he as uh rough and tough as he presents himself on TV or is he actually uh pretty good I, I assume he's a pretty good man no he comes as advertised but I'm awesome like has time for everyone uh I think that a uh, very professional in uh the day-to-day operation and uh one thing I always said you know I admired and uh think about all the time is that there was no uh gray area he he told it, he told it to you straight and had reasonings for whatever he thought. And, uh, that's, there's nothing more you could really ask for as a player good or bad as, to, uh, as, as, as being up front like that. Do you remember any like things that maybe, uh, that people have said to you, like coaches or even Birkin from that team that kind of stuck with you? Like any special sayings that you might have brought with you along with your coach? Oh, that's a good question. Kind of put me on the spot, but, uh, I just remember our mantra kind of, uh, in Pittsburgh was uh, uh, they had like this triangle and it was a uh, work ethic, accountability, and uh, uh, respect. 
And uh, that's just something I've always uh, remembered since that day. It's on the back, it was on the back of our uh, T-shirts and uh, something that I uh, uh, hold near and dear to my heart, to be honest. There you go, Walks. Make a couple T-shirts for the Dover boys. Yeah, we'll get her going. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Luca, just back into your coaching. Like you said, Berkey kind of comes as advertised. Um, kind of what is Luca as advertised for the Kingston Frontenacs to a player? Well, I would hope uh, they would uh, they would think that I'm uh, passionate because I, I I tend to be. Um, uh, just someone that uh, obviously tries to in every way to make each player better. And I, w- I, I really um, believe in building relationships with, the, with, with each and every one of them because they're not all the same. They're all different. They come from different stories, different backgrounds uh, and being able to have that type of relationship where you build a connection. And then um, really you can, uh, once they respect you, they trust you. And once, you know, once you understand that you can turn up the volume and they're, they, they understand that it's more or less uh, a garner towards them, uh, you know, but the, what you have, what your best interest is for them and the team at the same time. So I would think that uh, I would hope that uh, a lot of the players that have come across myself would say that. And uh, that's something that I try to, you know, um, to build every day. Listen, make no mistake, fellas. I've seen him. He, he can still play. Like he's ripping it on these junior goalies. They sell in on the ice and making yeah. make them look bad. <laughs> he's working with the goalie. He's working with the goalie coach out there. Oh yeah. You should see him go. He's still got it. Well, that's just more uh, me trying to feel young. <laughs> oh, you're telling me. So, you know, Lucas, so now you're, you're coaching. What are your kind of aspirations over the next few years? Are you looking to possibly get a head coach job one, one year, take over a team? Well, uh, to be honest with you, just in this, yeah, in the, in this industry, you just got to work on winning and developing, and uh, that's something that I think is uh, it, 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 it's it's twofold. I mean, you're always going to have a job as long as you're developing. At the same time, you got to win, so you got to find a way to have that health, uh, healthy median. Uh, I would love to be a head coach. At the same time, I'm really focused on where we're going here in Kingston. I, I'm I'm so proud of. Uh, a lot of the things we've been able to do here and uh, I'm really excited for what we can uh, possibly become and possibly do. So um, uh, like I said, it's a day-to-day process. Uh, Obviously you want to be in a position where you can, um, you know, uh, your career can progress, but at the same time um, you want to, you know, obviously focus in the the day-to-day operation and be in the now as opposed to the future. You've done a lot of traveling in your times. What's the, the best stopover city you've ever been in? Best place to grab a bite to eat or go out, have a drink. Uh, well, uh, New York City. New York? Yeah. Uh, lived in Sweden, though. It's yeah, that's what I was going to say. Tough to beat that. Two years in Sweden. Tough to beat Sweden. Did yeah, what, what, make, what makes Sweden so special? Everyone always says that's how great Sweden is, but you've lived culture, there. just the culture, just humble yeah. people, people that genuinely care about one another. Um, not in a hurry, not no one's in a hurry to do anything there. It's just mellow, and uh, obviously they'll crank up the volume if you're not winning games as uh, when you're on the team. But uh, at the same time, uh, when you are winning, what a place! Just uh, uh, build a lot of great relationships there. Uh, some of 
some of my uh, best friends and people that we hold, uh, myself and my family hold uh, near and dear to our heart. We're from, uh, we're from uh, those two years in Sweden. So, uh, yeah, uh, I wish Walker, I could turn Walker back the clock and go back, but it's, it's Walker, Yeah. You get to travel much? No, yeah. Oscar Sham and Vesteros is really close, close to Stockholm. So we had a lot of imports on our team. So there was half the team. Oh, really? uh, How many Canadians were on that team at the, at the time? They probably weren't that uh, many. North Americans, I would say eight or nine at least. Oh, okay. The one year. And then the next year we only had three, but uh, Evan McGrath, one of my best buddies is uh, Doug Gilmore's son-in-law, married Madison uh, Gilmore. Uh, right. So, uh, yeah, crazy how, uh, how everything <laughs> ends up working out, right? Yeah, that is crazy. Did you get to travel much over there, Luca, or see any other like countries or anything like that? Uh, we took a trip to uh, Norway uh, in training camp in Oskarshamn. That was awesome. Oslo, one of the nicest. That got to be one of the nicest places in the world. Uh, oh, yeah. Extremely expensive. Uh, <laughs> not to, not that I'm cheap or anything, but at the same time, <laughs> uh, like uh, mind blowing the expensive. Uh, how expensive things are just in general, just basic stuff. But at the same time, one of the nicest places I've ever been to. So that was one of the coolest uh, stops of uh, uh, I've I've been on. Nice. Well, yeah, I wanted to touch on the coaching there. Back, back to coaching. You had uh, Biles, my and well, we're almost wrapping up here, Luca, and we can't thank you enough for your time. But a couple rapid fires before you go. Uh, first one: Who's winning the cup this year? Vegas. Ooh, I like it. Favorite coach you ever had? Todd Richards. Best thing Todd Richards ever said to you. Life's all about choices. I like it. Um, Favorite player, current, current and past. Doug Gilmore, past, current, Sidney Crosby. Nice. Nice. Uh, points leader by the end of this, by the end of this uh, NHL season. Austin Matthews. Yeah, I, I like it. Well, listen, uh, he's just won a big three. You're such a, a huge Leaf fan, too. You're such a homer style. It's Jesus Christ. Oh, oh. <laughs> big win. But you could have said Zach Hyman and you, you would have been all over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyways, I'd like to thank uh, our guest so much, Luca Caputi, for taking the time to join off the puck hockey today. Make sure you follow Luca on Twitter, LPootie17. Just a reminder, off the puck hockey can be seen every Saturday night, 9 p.m. on Rogers TV, Channel 20. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, at off the puck hockey. I'm your host, Tyler Fines, and with me as always, my boys, co-hosts, Adam Stiles, Mikey Walks, our producer, Matt, behind the scenes, making the magic happen, and Marty Zilstra for providing our theme music. This is Off the Puck Hockey. Let's go. This has been an FHN production. Listen to our new shows every week on Thursday on any podcast platform. Also, check out our live shows on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or Twitch.